You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Wednesday the 10th of November. We're just two days away from the Paddy Power meeting at Cheltenham. Much discussion of that a little bit later. I'll also be catching up with star Australian-based Kiwi-born jockey James McDonald, who's ridden three of the most recognisable names in Australian racing to success in three of its most prestigious races in the last month. And of course, as we do every Wednesday, we'll be heading to Hong Kong in the company of J.A. McGrath. But first of all, the Oireachtas, the Irish Parliament, has published its long-awaited findings into the hearings that took place earlier in the year, which were prompted by allegations of doping in Irish racing. Dave Yates from the Daily Mirror has been digesting this lengthy report. What's it come up with, Dave? This reminds me of, I think it was late in 1990, when the late Mr. Griffin, Reg Griffin at Timeform, called me in for my first appraisal uh, with the company and basically said he was broadly happy with uh, what I was doing and then brought a raft of recommendations up as to how I could improve my performance for the company. There's a 34-page document here. As you say, the Oireachtas Committee held its hearings in July. Lance Armstrong was the name who came up in uh, one of Jim Bolger's interviews. He said that there is a Lance Armstrong lurking in Irish racing. Of course, Jim Bolger in the end did not appear uh, before the Oireachtas committee. So we've got this 34-page document now in in which it is said that uh, the procedures are of the highest international standards, the uh, Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board. But then it recommends uh, points that aren't currently uh, in practice and which will cost an absolute king's ransom. Uh, Principle among these are random samples prior to the start of racing at the stalls or before the start tape, taking into account animal welfare. Well, that's I suggest that's going to be quite a tricky one. But the, the real one is this. All favourites and all horses finishing in the top five of any race to have hair samples. Now, this is way beyond what happens at the moment in Britain or Ireland, and it's going to cost an absolute fortune. An interesting thing with this, talking about hair sampling, is when you and I and loads of others were were making phone calls about this in, in high and late summer, the the issue of of hair testing obviously came up. Now, I spoke to people who felt that there could be a problem in Irish racing and occasionally in British racing who said hair sampling is where we need to go. It's very expensive, but it's much more definitive than what we've got. And it's, it's up to the threshold, if you like, of being definitive. I spoke to other people off the record, who said, "Yeah, be careful, be careful with hair samples because they're not quite the 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 panacea that people might have you believe." Now, whichever side of the fence is true in that um, argument, what 
all will agree on is that hair sample testing is extremely expensive. So, yeah, it's it's uh, on the face of it, this looks like very good news for the IHRB in that in that the Oireachtas Committee has has broadly given them that vote of confidence of the highest possible international standards. Well, how much further can you go in your praise? But as with the late Mr Griffin uh, that morning in 1990, when he said that my performance for Timeform was generally satisfactory, the raft of recommendations of turning up on time, uh, not leaving before five o'clock, having a mere one hour for lunch and not staying over uh, in town and basically getting my work done on time to uh, the stated deadlines, suggested that he thought there was room for improvement. And it, and it looks like that way here. Um, there are other recommendations that one should cover. They talk about um, CCTV cameras uh, being in place on Irish racecourses in 2022. They also talk about the, the, the reappraising the gender balance on the board. Um, the other headline recommendation with regard to uh, drug testing procedures is that the, the recommendation that the IHRB should become a semi-state body, uh, which is another recommendation, that, that this testing procedure becomes independent. Uh, and that would that would register, uh, that would mean a change too. So again, in summary, and without trying to repeat myself, they've said that, you know, this is all, that they're very happy with what's going on. But the recommendations that they've made are pretty far-reaching they're in excess of what happens now and they're also going to be extremely expensive Dave we brought up a case yesterday involving trainer Tom George and the auction house Tattersalls uh, what happened in court yesterday yeah this is a, a case that everyone in the the bloodstock in industry will be watching uh, with acute interest the horse was bought for 90,000 quid uh, never ran for Tom George was found to have had uh, laryngeal hemiplegia uh, the evidence discusses the, the the tests that were taken afterwards on this horse who now runs for Ado McGuinness in Ireland three independent vets uh, looked at uh, Lariat, they they graded him as three to four on the lane scale. Uh, that's out of five of how serious the the laryngeal uh, hemiplegia was, which which of course uh, impairs his breathing. Uh, he was also worked up Warren Hill and was said not to have made a noise afterwards. Now, when you buy a horse from uh, Tassels, you, you there is no pre-purchase inspection uh, by vets but there is there is a, a returns policy if you like whereby if the, the horse makes a noise that you produce as the purchaser a vet certificate this is agreed by the vendor uh, then the horse can be returned in this case no consensus was reached um, I'd be very interested to see what the court make of this it concludes today but we're unlikely to uh, uh, to to have a verdict today the reason that representatives of auction houses, bloodstock agents and purchasers of course will be watching this case with such acute interest is because what the court may well do here is overrule and override the procedure that's currently in place. If it does that then I don't want to use uh, the tabloid phrase opening the floodgates but I suggest that that's very much what might happen because 
there will be lots of cases, as we know, where purchasers are unhappy with how a horse has performed. Subsequently, they've gone through the procedure. It hasn't worked in their favour. If there is a ruling in favour of Tom George, they might well think, well, there's another option open to us here. Okay, let's talk about matters on the track and the big festival at Cheltenham this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the Paddy Power meeting. Uh, what is um, catching your eye at the moment? Well, it's the, the headline horse has to be Layla, doesn't it, in the, the Paddy Power handicap chase. I mean, this horse has occupied so many column inches over the last few years, of course, trained by Richard Woolacott, who took his own life, then trained by his wife, Kaylee, um, a, a, a grade two winner of uh, the, the bumper at Aintree before returning 12 months later to win the top novices hurdle for uh, Kaylee Woolacott. Then, of course, after a really promising third at Cheltenham in January 2020, Layla was off for 441 days and after two, after pulling up twice, is now in the care of Paul Nichols, owner David Stadden, has moved Layla. It's, I find this a really interesting one, Nick, because I find it hard to criticise Paul Nichols uh, professionally. He's gone from being a successful but by no means spectacular jump jockey to be one of the most successful trainers of his generation with uh, 12 trainers' titles. But I just wonder why he wants to train Layla. I think there's more of a downside uh, for him than there is an upside. The horse now races off 149. That run at Cheltenham in January 2020 was off 153. So it's it's not as if we're talking about a horse who is uh, conspicuously... Sorry, my voice is going... It's not as if we're talking about a horse who's conspicuously well handicapped here. And... The, the eyes of the jump racing world will centre on Layla on Saturday afternoon to see how he gets on. I'm sure that there will be a, 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 a deep measure of sympathy with, with Kaylee Woolacott, who lost the horse, her, her the headline horse in her stable. So, yeah, he's the he's the horse, I think, that's of major interest this weekend. After getting a um, a positive update from Paul Nichols, he's now been backed into joint favouritism for Saturday's race and it'll be interesting just to see which Layla turns up because obviously we 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 know that the horse won at the November meeting as a as a novice chaser a couple of years ago and subsequently didn't build on that if Paul Nichols can uh, rediscover this horse's vim and vigor then obviously he's going to be a big player on Saturday but as I say there'll be there'll be different sides of the of the same fence looking in. I, mean, I hear what you're saying, Dave, but the minute you start turning down horses like this, then you cease to become who you were originally. I mean, Paul, Paul Nichols has been defined by ambition. If you are handed a good horse to train, you simply train it. The, the, the owner clearly didn't want it trained where it was trained before. I totally get that. And I would say obsession uh, rather than ambition with Paul Nichols. When you, when you, you, you only have to talk to him for 30 seconds to realise uh, that drive that has taken him from where he was to where he is now. And I completely get that. A, a central kernel uh, in that ambition, obsession, drive is, to, is a desire to train every good horse going. But there is just a, there is a, um, 
there's a there's a different aspect to Layla, isn't there? This is not simply just a good horse from the past who uh, has now lost his way, and they've turned to the twelve time champion trainer uh, to try and revive his fortunes. This is a horse who was trained by a man who took his own life, who was then trained by his wife, and uh, with with whom they had. Well, certainly two very emotional successes. I, I, I really, I'm doing my absolute best, Nick, not to use the word baggage because it sounds tabloid and it sounds, it sounds insensitive. But there is something that comes with Layla that is a lot more than just any any old horse who was once useful lost his way and they're now looking to relocate the spark and that to me that's that's why i say i think that there is um where if if layla wins the paddy power gold cup on saturday of course there will be people who of course well every everyone looking on will marvel at paul nichols achievement in getting this horse back to win uh, one of the most competitive handicap chases of the winter but there will also be a groundswell of sympathy for the uh, for the yard that had him previously feeling that that you know they've lost their star performer and and there will be there will be huge sympathy with Kaylee Woolacott I think that's unavoidable well, we haven't had a chance to check in uh, to Australia for the, the last week or so with uh, what I've been doing in Delmar and elsewhere. So it's good now to be able to catch up with uh, Melbourne Cup winning rider uh, James McDonald, who's had a sensational run of things, um, kicked off by Nature Strip in the in the Sprint Classic and then uh, completed by uh, Zaki in the in the McKinnon, having had to miss the Cox Plate. Uh, James, it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride, but a a, a very exciting one. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's been an amazing month. Obviously, starting off with the Everest on Nature Strip, and then culminating it with Nature Strip and the Dali or Zaki and the McKinnon. So, um, obviously, it's been just a um, unbelievable month, and I'm very lucky to be partnering these sort of horses. That's for sure. I really, you're riding the sort of three most uh, recognisable horses in in Australian racing. We we do the global rankings every week, and the three names that keep coming up are Nature Strip, Zaki, and uh, and and very elegant. You've ridden here in the in the UK. I mean, do you believe that these are the sort of horses that could hold their own anywhere in the world? Well, d- yes, definitely. Especially probably um, very elegant and Nature Strip. Obviously, they're they're very very good in their in their class here. Um, they're obviously the dominant, um, obviously Sprinter and Tim Furlong to a mile and a half horse here in Australia, and um, they've been they've been that for the last probably three or four seasons. So they're obviously holding their own. They're holding their form, and they've had a sensational run of it the last last four starts. Um, this prep in particular, Nature Strips, um, he's he's obviously taken it all before him, um, being so consistent in his races as well as very elegant, who's. Um, her win in the Melbourne Cup where she's only been out to the 3200 um, for the second time she was dominant in that in the in the Melbourne Cup and um, raced away with it so very exciting to obviously be partnering obviously the three best horses in Australia at the moment and hopefully um, we might see if Chris decides Chris Waller um, to take them overseas we might see them around the world let's talk about the Melbourne Cup because it doesn't matter how you do it you've done it and for for a jockey based in in Australia that must mean must mean the world just describe to me the emotions that you felt uh, having having passed the post on very elegant oh it's just incredible um 
I've never had a feeling like it um, throughout my career. That's for sure. Um, the the media and everything that's around surrounds uh, the Melbourne Cup with the obviously everyone watching it as well. It's been incredible. Um, the text messages have just been astronomical. The good uh, congratulations and everything. Um, it's it's been amazing, and obviously it's the it's the holy grail here in in Australasia with um, with any jockey trainer or owner wanting to win it down here. So to um, to win it on a, such a special mare that I've had a great association with for probably four or five seasons, it was just the icing on the cake, and um, it was just a, a brilliant win by her, and she just executed just perfectly to race away with a four-length win in the Melbourne Cup. It was just incredible. Uh, quite something for two New Zealanders to team up for victory as well. The significance of that can't have been lost on you. Yeah, absolutely. And she was a Kiwi bred horse as well. Um, there's a, f- a lot of ki- Kiwis in her, um, still in her, and obviously trained by Chris Wallows, who's just um, an incredible trainer. He gets it right time and time again. And, and each preparation, these horses are five, six, seven years old, and they just keep getting better and better. So it's a testament to his team, as well as um, him keeping these horses together for such long, long durations of their preparation. So it's, it's just a... Absolutely incredible moment for sure. I mean, you look back on it now, and I'm thinking, how can a horse of this talent have gone off such a big price? But I guess everyone's thinking, well, she's not. She's not going to get two miles, is she? But you know, class will overcome distance most of the time. Yeah, and especially this year, obviously um, there was less Europeans down for the race, um, so it was a year for her, for her to tackle it. But it's not getting shy away from the point that she is a mare that carried 57 kilos and was so dominant but uh, for her to win from seven furlongs right to 3200 in in group one races it's it's just a testament to her ability and the way she's going at the moment and um yeah it's arguably her best preparation especially when she was a group one winner at 1400 to start it off um you talk about nature strip do you think this horse could match any sprinter anywhere? Oh, without doubt. His, his Everest win was scintillating the way he, he can just cr- have a high cruising speed and then uh, and sustain that for a, a good six, three furlong sprint. It's just incredible um, for him to do that in the Everest. It, obviously, it's rated very highly. Um and, and then he's backed it up with a, a great um, win in the Dali sprint up the straight. He's a great straight horse. And um, again bit like very elegant it's been his best preparation this thus far as well so um he's seven years old and i i have no doubt he won't be stopping anytime soon because he's um obviously on an upward spiral at the moment and um as long as chris can keep him together for another preparation i'm sure he's got a a good good year in him you so so you think from what you were saying that chris might be tempted to bring these horses abroad yeah, I think the owners are very tempted. They're very keen to. Um, obviously, they've um, they've conquered everything here in Australia that they can. And obviously, there's great prize money here. But I think um, they're at a stage of their preparations as well. We're very elegant, a 10-time Group 1 winner. Um, Nature Strips, I think, an 8-time Group winner. So I think the owners are very keen, as well as Chris, to um, travel these great horses and, and see what they're made of against the best best horses in, in the world in Europe. And Zaki's probably prompted more debate in this part of the world than just about any other horse. You know, How could he have improved that much going to Australia? But evidently, he really has improved, hasn't he? What do you think the secret is? 
Yeah, I'm not too really sure. He's he definitely has um, improved. I know, no doubt about that. Um, I, obviously, I looked at his form in Europe before he, I had my first ride on him, and um, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't think he was ever going to do what he's done here in, in Australia. But he's in a just got a new lease of life. He's um, he's he's racing in career best form again. A seven year old who's um, who had a great winter campaign and probably just built a lot of confidence out of that winter campaign where the, the opposition aren't um, as good at um, that time of year. Um, so he's obviously in a um, good form and he tackled a really good race there in the McKinnon on last Saturday and um, he won reasonably well, but I, I think there's a little bit more to offer from there. That's interesting. So you think he can build on that still? What would be the obvious next target for him? Well, I, I think he's better um, right-handed way of going. Um, so I think there's a little bit of improvement there. And if he does, well, then he's obviously they've got the the, the aim is the Queen Elizabeth in um, in Sydney. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing him compete in the Sydney Carnival. And obviously they're, they're better horses again. So we'll see how he measures up there. You're on a real roll, James. I really appreciate you talking to me. Congratulations on what's been an outstanding month. Thank you very much. Cheers, Nick. James McDonald there, and from Australia to Hong Kong and to J.A. McGrath. Nick, from memory, David Hayes is a beer drinker. And like all good Aussies who imbibe, he'll also have a nice full-bodied red when the occasion suits. But last Sunday night, it wouldn't surprise if the Aussie Hall of Famer was reaching for something off the top shelf. Strong stuff that could calm the nerves and deaden the pain because David had just seen one of his young stars run a stinker. The horse who he felt had the potential to be the next beauty generation in Hong Kong. Beaten at 10 to 1 on in a five furlong handicap sprint at Sha Tin. Oh my goodness. Appropriately, perhaps, the horse's name is Nervous Witness. No excuse has been offered so far. He just went out like a light inside the final furlong and just held on to third place. Very disappointing, and there's probably a reason, which we hope will come to light in due course. As for Hayes, well, it would take something a little more serious than that to get him down. And considering the bright start he's made to the season, he'll bounce back of that, you can be certain. In fact, I can see a ray of sunshine in the shape of Helene Alibor, who's tipped to take race four at Happy Valley today. It's a nine furlong handicap, and considering he was a good third over the trip at Chartin last start, I think he'll get the money. With Blake Chin in the saddle. Interesting that Blake seems to be picking up more rides for Hayes recently. Take five Helene Alibor to win, and in a tote swinger with number eight, Savvy Kingman, and number four, Meaningful Star. Also keep an eye out today for horses trained by Michael Chang. That's race five, number four, Amigos Giggle, and a race eight, number four, Family Folks. He could have a double. One other bit of news from Hong Kong. American Racing appeared on the Hong Kong Jockey Club's international simulcast roster at the weekend. They bet on two races. The Breeders' Cup Mile, won by Space Blues, and the Turf, won by Yabir. But I'm told officials were left shaking when they watched the chaos that reigned over the Modern Games episode in the juvenile turf. That would not have gone down well in Hong Kong. Fortunately, Hong Kong did not bet on the Friday race. Talk about dodging a bullet. A missile, more like it. 
I'll have more on the Hong Kong beat next week. Thanks to Jim and James and all my guests this morning. Dave Yates is still with me. Dave, you've got a tip for us. I have indeed, and it's the top weight number one September power for Roger Berry and King Power and Sylvester D'Souza in the eight o'clock race at Kempton. The key with this horse's chance tonight is the ability to tackle two miles for the first time. Ran a really good race over a mile and six at Catterick two starts ago before an underperformance at Redcar. But I hope that the two mile trip here will bring September power back to his best on the 10th of November. Eight o'clock race at Kempton. Selection number one, September power. Dave, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Wednesday, the 10th of November. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.